Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. I'm Steve Mathis, your host. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher and uh, pulphockey.com as well. You can get it on there. Response has been great. We've been enjoying doing these, and uh, this one in particular, I'm uh, really stoked to be doing it. It's going to be an awesome show. Uh, Ferraro 20 code gets you uh, 20% off at 2under, the number 2 UNDR, the best men's underwear out there, 2under.com, and... Um, we thank uh, those guys for coming on board. Like I said, Ferraro 20 code saves you money. Check them out. All right. Like I said, I've been looking forward to doing this show. I'm pumped that I get to do it. A guy that uh, I watched growing up and um, had a you know tremendous respect for, five-time Stanley Cup champion, Hockey Hall of Famer, Vesna Trophy winner, Canada Cup, All-Stars, uh, you name it, 400 wins. This guy has done it in the game of hockey. Grant Fear, welcome to the show. Thank you, Grant. No, my pleasure. Thanks for doing this. It's awesome. Um it's uh it's great to talk to you. I got a ton of questions. Grantfear31.com by the way, new website for you. So, you can go there, check it out. Um you can also book um book you for speaking engagements. Uh, how do you like those and and what do you what do you talk about a little bit? I, I actually really enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of the different format that I do is basically question and answer. Okay. I mean, we can kind of I kind of run in any directions that people want to go. So, yep. I leave it open for them to basically start the conversation, and it basically turns into more of a conversation than a speech. Sure. Yeah, I, I, would, I would bet the guys have tons of questions, that, probably some of the ones I'm going to ask you that uh, you get to, to answer over and over and over, right? <laughs> uh, it's fun, though. Yeah. Um, I uh, Also, too, um, I follow you on Twitter, at Grant Fuhr on Twitter, and I like your Twitter feed, actually. It's pretty interesting. You post a lot, of, you repost, and, and you retweet a lot of sort of uh, – inspirational messages, things about not giving up, things about, uh, you know, always trying your best. Actually, I, it's kind of neat. I, I get it for my daily affirmation, Grant. It's a nice job on that. <laughs> oh, yeah, fine. I follow a lot of positive things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was always brought up to be positive about things, and I've had, had some interesting books that I've read. Jim Afrenow writes, he's got a couple of books that are, mm-hmm. I find to be very inspiring, so I enjoy reading The Champion's Mind. That's one of my favorites. Yep. And then... Just finding different positive things and a positive idea for every day. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of neat. I don't mind it. I uh, I work in a, my full time job. My real job is I cover the sport of uh, supercross and motocross, dirt bike racing, basically. And uh, I sent one of the tweets to a rider, a championship rider, and I said, uh, "Check this out. Check this uh, this this site out." And uh, I don't know if we ever did or not, but. You never know, an athlete at the highest level, it's so mental, right? I, I find that with these guys I work with, they're all really talented, but, man, some of them are just basket cases upstairs. Well, I think that's the big separation between getting to the top level is how you think the game, whether you, how you believe in yourself, how you mm-hmm. believe in the people around you. I think the mental side of sport is still just being tapped. Right, right. It's funny, though, like yourself, like I've read your biography, I've read books about you, I read a ton about the game of hockey, and you yourself, you were a laid-back guy, 
You played golf in between playoff games of Game 7s. You never seem to let the pressure get to you. And some people mistook that as maybe not having passion or caring, but it was really the way that you you treated the preseason game and or Game 7 of the Cup Final I think the same. Maybe I'm wrong, but it was definitely a unique way. When you read books and hear stories about Grant Fear, you handled pressure in a unique way. Well, you try and keep everything, life in general, on an even keel. So to treat game one versus game seven of a Stanley Cup final different changes what you do in your regular routine. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you can keep things normal and regular, the easier it is. And it's not really pressure. It's a chance for you to succeed. And I think if you look at it that way, it just makes it easier. Yeah, it's not a way to, like, fail, right? It's a chance to be a hero. It's not, yeah, right. I think I think people that have a hard time look at it as a chance to fail instead of a chance to succeed. Yeah. And I, I think if, if you take it as the positive, you'll always make out better. Yeah, some of these guys I work with, like, you know, there's millions of dollars on the line for these guys, and 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 they're r- racing their motorcycles, and they're tuning everything, and you're just, uh, sometimes you're like, you know, some things that, you can just see them when you talk to them after the race or whatever. They 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 let the pressure get to them. They're, you ask them about what happened, and you know, I'm one of the beat guys for these series, and they just go, "I don't know. I, I felt good. I, I don't know what happened." And you're like, "Well, I saw what happened. You fell apart, you know." And um, that's when you begin to realize how how much the mind matters for for great champions. It does, and it's the same for any sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it matters whether you race motorcycles, play golf, play football. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it starts with the six inches between your ears. Yeah, really, right? Uh, talking to Grant Fear, grantfear31.com. Uh, check it out, and there's more about Grant and booking him and and uh, getting him on uh, on that website. So you coached uh, the goalie coach for Phoenix Coyotes for a few years there after you retired. Uh, Wayne, of course, Gretzky was the coach. Um, and then uh, Burke came in. I think I read in your biography that you were still like a goalie consultant, scouting things. You're not in the game anymore. Do you want to get back? Did you... Do you, uh, are you happy to just step back and watch now, or is it one of those things where you want to get back in the game as a coach? You know what? I enjoyed coaching. I mean, I originally started in Calgary, spent a few years there, then went with Wayne to Phoenix and really enjoyed my time there. But the last couple of years, we took on a new project. I mm-hmm. started, started as the director of golf out at a golf course here in Palm Springs, and we've kind of running the golf course, and then we've got a big land development that started. So we're trying to learn that side of the world right now, mm-hmm. at least for the last couple of years. But, yeah, I would definitely get back into hockey if the right opportunity showed itself. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see you back, you know. Um, we know you love golf. We know you, you tried on a Canadian tour a few times. Did you ever – like, I'm not a big, big golfer, so maybe this is a, a dumb question, but, like, did you, did you come close to getting a card and playing? Did you really think about it? How close did that come? I actually qualified the one year and then signed the wrong scorecard. So oh, that's a small, <laughs> a small blunder of getting caught up in the excitement of things. Right. But, no, I still enjoy playing a lot. And yeah. I enjoy being around the golf course. And right now I'm having fun learning the different aspects of the agronomy and mm-hmm. how golf courses run and with our land project, learning all the ins and outs of that. Yep. So it's just been something different to look at. Yeah, really, right? Um Man, yeah, because it was you know one of those things where the people were like, "Hey, he's really good." Like Dan Quinn is really good too, right? Danny's a great player. Yeah, are you better than Dan Quinn, or is he better than you? Um, hard to say. I mean, yeah. Danny's awfully good, so okay. <laughs> he might be a little better than I am right now. Right, right, right. God, it's a frustrating game. I don't play it very much, but whenever I do, oh, jeez. Um, hey, uh, 
so obviously right now um, I, t- I had Jamie McLennan on, one of your backups, uh, a little while ago. Daryl Ray came on the show, talked about playing with you, and also you know he calls the Stars games. So i got to ask you, it's, it's all the rage right now, goalie equipment in the NHL. Goals per game I think are at a 10- or 15-year low right now. A lot of one nothing games, hard to find the net. What's your take on the goalie equipment, goalie safety? Uh, what and I, I mean, I'm one of those guys. I'm, again, I'm just a fan from the couch. I want to see more goals. I, I'm in favor of reducing. I, I would do bigger nets even. That's in my mind. I do think we need more goals. But where do you stand? One of the one of the greatest goalies of all time. What do you think? Well, I think the biggest difference is they've made the equipment so light now. Guys are going to wear it bigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, the lighter it is, obviously you can wear it bigger, and it doesn't affect you. Mm-hmm. I think if they put some weight back into the goalie equipment, guys would shrink it on their own. Right, yeah, because it would be they'd be feeling it by the end of the game, huh? It, oh, our pads, when I played, the pads probably weighed 20, 25 pounds. Yeah. By the time you were done, whereas now they weigh maybe four or five pounds. Yeah. So you put a little bit of weight back in, obviously you're going to shrink it so it's a little bit lighter. And uh, I wonder how you would do that. Just manufacturers, right, could just do that. I mean, they just... They, yeah, it's yeah. Just manufacturers. Right. I mean, it's, it's something you could put in without that much of a big deal. Do you think we need to? Is this all overreaction by fans and media right now? Um, I think everybody wants to see exciting hockey. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have, you can also have exciting hockey and have one nothing hockey games. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest problem is the game's so well scouted now with video, and a lot of coaches and teams have put in defensive systems and don't play wide open hockey, so you get the sort of boring style of hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really yeah, it's coached and scouted, right? Like systems and everything else. Yeah, I mean, there's no wide-open hockey anymore. I think everybody knows what everybody does so well that what they do is they put a defensive plan in place to limit the other team, mm-hmm. which doesn't doesn't create a lot of offense. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough game, some of these, to watch. You know, it's as a fan, you're just – I find myself watching the uh, NHL vault more and more where I'm like, these games are awesome. So Yeah, I think they're just – right now the goalies are just the scapegoats of it, but it's more the systems than it is the goalies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and so you're not you don't think if if uh, if you reduce the size, you add weight, you reduce the size, safety. That's what a lot of these guys are saying. Safety, you're you're fine. I mean, you think these guys would be all right in your opinion? I do. I yeah. mean, yeah. obviously, if you add weight, guys are going to wear it smaller. You're still just as safe. I mean, the equipment I wore was small and managed to survive. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I'm sure you had some bruises after, but well, you got you got bruises with it. That's yeah. was just part of the position. Right. Right. I mean, to not have bruises. That's not the way goaltending ever was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, right? Um, that's why goalies are always looked at as being like a little off kilter, a little crazy, because they that was part of the game. That was just it went with the job. So. Right. I mean, if it's a little heavier, guys will make it smaller. What you'll see, they're not going to give up their safety to make it too small. Mm-hmm. So it's all it does is it shrinks it a little bit. Right. Um. Yeah, it's it is it is one of those things where you know yeah you don't want to get anybody hurt you know what I mean but at the same time yeah like come on guys let's I saw a shot of Bernier on the bench and it just looked like he had a table across his shoulders it just looked like a a coffee table was there and I'm like oh man you know I don't know um, def- think he's definitely getting a lot bigger mm-hmm. did you ever try those remember when Lemlin had those pads that looked like street hockey pads what were those things did you ever try them. I tried them once. I didn't like them. I thought they were too light. Okay. And I, I was used to playing with a little bit heavier pad, and yeah. I liked it. It felt stable on my legs, so yeah. I just never, well, yeah, never really got a chance to, 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 to uh, what would you call it, to transition into the lighter pad. Yeah. Yeah, they looked goofy, 
but guys liked them. Some guys liked them. Um, hey, when you were coaching goalies and, and talking to young goalies and all that, obviously, I mean, you were probably the most successful goalie that caught with his with his uh, with his right hand. Um, is there any? And this is, again, this could be a dumb question, so just tell me if it's dumb. But is there any? benefit to that or drawback to that um a goalie who catches with the right hand we don't see too many of them nowadays but like again you were one of the best with that is there any difference in teaching coaching anything like that well, i think it's a benefit okay i mean if you, if you look from a shooter's mind they're ingrained to shoot certain places mm-hmm. and if 90 percent of the goalies catch with their left hand they're going to shoot with their right hand right which is now my catching hand. Your catching so hand, yeah. It gives that gives me, I think, just in a quick in a quick game that gives me a step up. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I never really thought that. Right? Yeah, they're just they're not always looking up. They're just snapping it to where they want to or whatever. You know? Yeah. What's well, yeah. they're trained to shoot? Usually, a blocker side is where most guys like to shoot, mm-hmm. which becomes my glove side. Yeah. Yeah. True. Right. Um, did you ever play better hockey? And, and it's incredible to ask this because the three games were 6-5. Did you ever play better than in that Canada Cup? I mean, again, this is a question you probably get a lot. But um, I watched those games about two months ago. Um, I got the DVD set. And, again, six, three six five games. But, holy crap, were you good. Hey, you know what? It was fun. It, that's good old-fashioned wide-open hockey. Right, right. I mean, people want to see a wide-open hockey. It was fun to watch. I mean, I've, I've actually got the DVDs set here at home that I watch once in a while. So yeah. It, it's fun. And I mean, 6-5 doesn't mean that's a bad hockey game. It was good hockey that was played. Oh, absolutely. It was phenomenal. Would you say that that was the peak of your career? I don't know if it was the peak. I mean, that was uh, that year, definitely. Oh, I mean, that was, yeah. that was a fun year. So, I mean, there's some nice runs in the Stanley Cup. Right. In St. Louis, I had some good years. So, yeah. it's hard to say whether it was the best. Uh-huh. But it, like definitely didn't hurt things. How's that? Yeah, really. I mean, you watched those those that those games, and again, like I said, six five. You lost uh, lost one of them, and those some of those goals, those Russians just made you look silly. And there are other ones where you just unbelievable saves. And the other, and you know, and I think Mikhailov was another Russian goal. He played pretty well too. Um, but at there there must have been times where you were just like going, "What are these guys doing right here? Like what what? They're they're, they're circling. They're dropping the puck. They're, it's just one of those things." Well, it was a different brand of hockey. They waited for the perfect shot. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's a, that was a little bit different than North American hockey. So it took a little bit of getting used to. Yep. And I was lucky enough to play with Edmonton where you didn't look at statistics. You didn't look at numbers. It was just whether you won or lost. So playing in a 6-5 game was comfortable for me. Right. There's always that myth about you, and I don't know if it's a myth. I, I'm going to ask you. But there's always that story about you, and, and McLennan told me the same thing, where – you you let some goals in, and that was fine. But if the game got close, if things got tight, you just said, "Okay, that's it. That like I'm really gonna bear down now." Is that was that is that a myth about Grant Fear, or is that like true? Where you you know it didn't necessarily matter until it got close, and you're like, "Okay, no more." Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but is that something that you sometimes found yourself doing? I might have been a little sloppier at the start of some games. Okay. <laughs> usually by the end, right? We were we were reasonably solid by then. Yeah. Or at least I think you focus harder. Yeah, you're just like okay, yeah. Um, but 
they tried to be good the whole game. Something that just didn't happen. <laughs> right, right. That's not like you want to let those goals in. <laughs> Sometimes you give up some sloppy ones, as long as you don't give up the ones that matter. Yeah, and that's kind of what people say about you. Like, hey, he's going to let a couple in, but don't worry. Whatever we get, he won't let that other one in, you know? Yeah. Um, and we had a team that was good for that, because you need to get three or four every night to work with. Yeah. Um, and I talked to Daryl Ray, and – we were talking about your endurance and playing night after night, and of course in St. Louis you played seventy nine games one year, seventy five another year. But we were, you know, Daryl was talking about how he never saw the ice. You know, he was just just sitting back there because uh, you were playing so well. And so then I said to him, I said, "Hey, so in practice, I said, would the guys be testing you because Grant was maybe." slacking a bit in practice because he's playing so much and you know he's getting practices off or whatever and he said the opposite he said no you've never seen a guy in practice stop as many pucks as grant like he got he was the same way in practice which i I don't know do you agree with that um you try to be just as good in practice i mean Mm -hmm. we i we daryl and i were lucky you get to play against the best players in the world and you find it as a challenge to stop them as much as they want to score on you so Mm -hmm. i think you were just as hard, if not a little bit harder, in practice to stop them. Yeah, was it's it? Like it's a little competition, and it's a fun competition. And uh, and the way Daryl was saying it, you got the better of a lot of those dudes. Every you know Gretzky, Curry, Messi, Anderson in, in every practice. He, he said that sometimes he would just sit there and be like, "Look at this guy." <laughs> well, some days, some days you were better. Some days you were you weren't quite as good. So, mm-hmm. but it was but it was fun, and it made me better. Yeah, really, right. Um, Hey, did you, uh, when you were playing, obviously, look, you won five cups. So, you know, you're in the Hall of Fame, you won Vezinas, everything else. But do you think about the ones that got away at all? Like, you know, look, the Oilers were great, and everyone knows, you know, how many cups they won. But there's a Steve Smith goal. Uh, there's a, another couple series, like the one against the North Stars that um, people kind of thought that Edmonton was favored in. Do you think about the ones that got away at all? Or, I mean, or one of those things, like, again, you won five, so... Like, whatever. No, I mean, I think that during that year, you worry about the ones that got away. But yeah. when the next season starts, it's over. There's nothing you can do about it. So you just let it out of your mind, and you try and be better the next year. Mm-hmm. And I think in 86, with Steve's goal, mm-hmm. I think it re- it refocused us. And 87 might have been one of our best years ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it really was right. It was it was uh, it was Wayne's last one, and yeah, you guys were on fire. Um, where were you when Wayne got traded? Did you believe it? Did you? <laughs> where, where were Originally, you? Originally, no. I was actually <laughs> at a Bob Cole's golf tournament in Newfoundland. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I, I don't think anybody believed it at first. Yeah, I mean, you never think that the greatest player in the game will ever be traded, right? Um, how did you get along with Andy Moog all those years before he left? Obviously, he was a little upset about the playing time, but how did you and him get along? We get along great. Yeah. I mean, Andy and I, Andy and I are still friends. Yeah, yeah. So there was no hard so, feelings about him wanting to get out and play more. Oh, no. You yeah. can completely understand it. If I was in his shoes, I'd be the same way. <laughs> right, right. Well, actually, and I'll talk to you about that a little bit. You did do that a little bit with uh, with Buffalo, right? When you went to Buffalo yeah. and Hassett came on, you were just like, hey, I don't want to be here. Well, it was funny. When Dom came to Buffalo and started... Mm-hmm to finally shine, I had a conversation with John Muckler. He was going to sign me to another contract, Mm -hmm. and I had the choice of signing there as a backup or being able to, he would trade me somewhere where I could move on and see if I could find a different job as a starter. And he kind of gave me that option, and I thought I'd see if I could find somewhere where I could play a little more. 
You know, it was, I wasn't, quite, wasn't yeah. quite ready to sit back and watch yet. Yeah, like, and I remember again as a fan watching the games, like I, you can, and forgive me for saying this, but you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, Fuhr is done. Like he's he's not, he didn't have a great time in L.A. He's backing up in Buffalo. Like he's just going to kind of ease himself out of the league. And then at some point, you know, then Keenan gets you, and you're back on fire, and you're back on top, and you're playing every single game. Like, it was a nice second little renaissance that maybe people are like, oh, wait, Grant Fuhr. Yeah, he's really good still, you know? I, was, I think L.A. was kind of a nice wake-up call. Mm-hmm. I didn't play bad, but I didn't play good. Mm-hmm. But I still thought I had lots left. And when people start to doubt you, sometimes it just changes your focus a little bit and makes you want to be that much better and work that much harder. Mm-hmm. So in St. Louis, I got a chance to prove to people that I still had lots left in the tank. And did you ever? <laughs> if if you had not missed that, those games with the knee injury, would you have played every game? Oh, yeah. There's no doubt I'd have probably played every one. That's crazy. That's nuts to think about playing every single game. I mean, now in today's NHL, like 65 games and you're a hero. Pekka Rene, 70 games one year. And, you know, you would have probably done all 82. Well, you know what? You're, you're fit enough to do it. It's just mentally whether guys can do it or not. Right. And and I enjoyed the game. It wasn't. I don't find it stressful. So mm-hmm. being a by not finding it stressful and enjoying being on the ice, the players do it. So why shouldn't a goalie? Yeah. No. I guess right. I mean, in some sense, you're standing there for for minutes without action or whatever. You know. So yeah. yeah no. If, it, if everybody else prepares to play every night, even as a backup, you prepare to play in case something happens. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to put the time in to prepare, you might as well play. Hey, is that story true that Noodles say uh, Game Seven against Phoenix in the Blues? You said just give me one, guys. That's all. I'm, I feel good. Is that a true story? Is that I might have mentioned that. <laughs> That's awesome. Just give me one, and you guys won one nothing in overtime. Oh, uh, we got lucky enough to win one nothing. Uh, right, sometimes, uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So, <laughs> other times you said just give me one, and it didn't quite work out. <laughs> That's happened before too. <laughs> Oh, hey, I want to teammates have to have confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I want to rewind a little bit. But um, and uh, and this is something that shocked the hockey world. You got a suspension for admitting to drug use, not not uh, not getting caught or anything. Just just said, yeah, I did it in an interview. I don't know. You know, it was an interview or whatever. You got 60 games for that. (laughs) Um, Looking back, that was really you got kind of screwed over right there. Uh, you got to be yeah. pretty bitter still to this day. Actually, no. I no. mean, I think, I think at the time, I, at the time, I was definitely bitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was something that had happened yes, right? three or four years previous. Yeah, yeah. So to be punished three or four years later, I wasn't overly impressed with. And yeah, for sixty games. The length I wasn't. <laughs> the length I wasn't overly impressed with, but at the same time, it changed the league a little bit. You think? They decided. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they decided maybe they should help players instead of crucifying them. Yeah. So, so, would that have been Ziegler? That would have been Ziegler, right? It was. Yeah. It was John. Yeah. I can't believe that at the time. I mean, this was huge news in Canada for people who didn't realize this was this led off every single you know newscast and local news and everything else. And you I were like, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of notoriety for not really having very much fun at that time. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. And you were like, yeah, I did this a few years ago. Sixty games. Jeez. You know, good, good thing you got four hundred wins, Grant, because that would I could have effed you over for four hundred wins. That sixty games, you know. Yeah, it's we had to have a little bit of success after that, and the Oilers were great. I mean, I got to spend time working out with the guys and being around, and mm-hmm. 
they could have easily just ignored me and let me drift off, which they never did. So yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, no, it's good to see. Hey, when you got traded to Toronto, uh, it was kind of right before the season. Now I'm a Maple Leaf fan, and so I follow him pretty closely. And you don't really get your credit for that was a really shitty team, and you faced a lot of pucks. Um, did you know your time in Edmonton was kind of coming to an end? Did did, did you have any heads up that you were going to get were going to leave this place that the only place that you'd really known? Well, I think once Gretz left, everybody knew they were going to come back. <laughs> right, really, right? Yeah, that was there wasn't going to be much of a debate. So <laughs> once we had won the cup in '90, you could see that things were starting to change, and we were going to go in a different direction. So mm-hmm. everybody had inklings they were going to go, and you could see by the way things were going in training camp that. They were going to go a different direction. What do you mean by like playing Ranford more, or like what do you? Oh, you knew Billy was going to play more. Yep. Uh, Mess was gone, or no? Mess was the only one left by then. Yeah. Hoff was gone. Gretz was gone. Yari was gone. Right. So it was only a matter of time before. So Plenty and Anderson and I had a pretty good idea we were going soon. We just didn't think it'd be in the same deal. Yeah, yeah, really, right? <laughs> um, I guess you got a point. Once Gretzky's traded. Never mind. They're going to trade Grand Fuhrer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah. that becomes automatic after that. Right, right. Yeah, that was um, – what do you remember from your Toronto time? Cliff Fletcher, GM there, obviously GM of the Calgary Flames, saw you beat Calgary year after year except for like once. Um, and so you go, you go to Toronto, and they're bad, like I said. This was before Gilmore. Gilmore got there shortly after you, but um, – Yeah, we, we weren't very good. No, no, it was horrid. <laughs> um, but – you can also see what Cliff was trying to do. He was the, it was the start of the rebuilding of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like, like we talked about the Hasek thing in Buffalo with you and where Hasek comes in and like, you know, he's one of the greatest goalies with you of all time up in there. Well, you get hurt in Toronto, if I remember correctly, and all of a sudden this kid, Felix Potvin, comes up and he starts playing out of his mind. And you're, again, like you were playing great and I almost, you know, not really your fault. You lose your job a little bit by injury, huh? A little bit, but you could also see Felix was going to be good, and they needed a goal scorer mm-hmm. to make a playoff run. So the trade made sense with Buffalo. Yeah, I kind of, as a Leaf fan, again, it was pretty good, Grant. I'm going to, not going to lie. <laughs> Andrew Chuck was on fire. <laughs> oh, no, it made, it made perfect sense. And yeah. Cliff, Cliff and I actually sat down and talked about it. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah, he was he was nice enough to invite me into the office and talk about it. So Okay. It made perfect sense, and that's just the way the game is. If it makes sense, it's going to happen. You were, you were probably shell shocked after those years in Edmonton. Like you're like, what's going on? Defensemen, my defensemen are leaving me. They're not really helping. <laughs> oh, we gave up lots of shots in Edmonton too. Yeah, so. that's true. That's a good point, right? The difference is you didn't have to win one nothing. Yeah, <laughs> every single game. <laughs> um, and then uh, so talking about your St. Louis years a little bit. So yeah, seventy nine games, seventy five games, two years. Keenan was there. Gretzky came in that one trade in the end of 96 there. He got traded um, a little bit. but So the stories are like notorious about Keenan and Hall. Now, you had Keenan at the um, Canada Cup. You kind of knew what his deal. Plus, you're the goalie. He's leaving you alone, I imagine. But w- how bad did it get between Brett Hall and Mike Keenan at times? Uh, let's just say they disagreed a fair amount. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Daryl Ray tells a story about Hitch and Brett Hall in Dallas, and Hall's throwing the puck in the corner. And Hitch is like, what are you doing? He, when Every time he gets the puck over the blue line, he's throwing the corner. And Hull said, uh, hey, Hitch, you told me goals don't matter. You told me that goals don't matter, so here I go. <laughs> that's that's Hully. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Mike and I didn't get along at the beginning. In I mean, St. Louis, you mean? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. When I first got there at training camp, he thought I was a little heavier than I should be. And mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. So Right. Yes. Um, and I, went, I ended up going home for a couple of weeks and came back. And yeah, but like the he, stories he about much, you. Yeah. It's just a little, just like, tell you to. I'm like, fine. So <laughs> but we actually, we got along fine. You got along fine with him? Yeah, actually, after that, we got along fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once, it's just the way his way of saying that, hey, I'm the boss. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that so, was, right? It's yeah. fine because I'd seen that Edmonton. So I'd, by that point in my career, it didn't bother me at all. Yeah, you were always, I mean, coming in a bit heavy in camp or whatever, like big deal. <laughs> you were you were ready when the, when the, when the lights went on, right? I mean, it's kind of. Well, I have a different theory than most. You want to be hitting your peak come playoff time, not hitting your peak come Christmas time. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, right. so we might not have been in the greatest shape September, October, but by January, February, you're still fresh and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, bummer in St. Louis, the one year, uh, the Kiprios injury, of course, uh, you were playing pretty good against my Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, uh, I think you guys went to seven against the Red Wings that year. John Casey filled in for you, but uh, the series and the, really the whole series kind of changed with that injury, didn't it? It did. And I think that team was good enough that we would have had a legitimate shot at winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think, it was I think we had all the pieces. So Pronger, McInnes, Wayne, Hull, Howard, Chuck. Probably missing some guys. Pierre Turgeon. Turgeon. I mean, we had. It was a good team. Yeah, no doubt. And then uh, for and then uh, honestly, at the end of your career, wrapping it up in Calgary, that had to have been weird. Throwing a little bit f- different, right? Grand Fear's not a Calgary flame. That can't happen. That well, was a little different, but it was at the same time it was okay. I mean, yeah. My mom was from Calgary, so to play one year there wasn't really, at that point in time, it didn't really make that big a difference. Ten years before that, it might have. Yeah, really, right? Um, did you, did you, um, you probably, did you read the book Battle of Alberta by Mark Spector? I think you're in it. But, I haven't uh, had a chance to read it yet. I, I've talked to Mark about it a couple of times, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's, it's phenomenal. He goes into these backstories, and I mean, you know, even the trainers and, and, and getting into it and helping each other out, but then the players and, and, like the attitude of the of the two cities in the province. I grew up born and raised in Winnipeg, so um, you know I'm not that far away. But man, those Battle of Alberta at times seemed like it was just uh, crazy. Oh no, it was a war. There's no yep. question, it was a war. But it was like that. I mean, from kids growing up, Calgary, you know, or Edmonton and Calgary, just yeah. don't get along. That's just the way it's always been. Yeah, I mean, because you're from Edmonton, basically, right? I am. Yeah, yeah. So you knew before, even you know, and all that. Yeah. I knew long before, just from you see the Eskimos and Stampeders. And <laughs> right, right. It didn't matter what sport it was. That's just the way it's always been. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it's not some of those stories in that book. You got to check it out if you get a chance for sure. Um, is was there a guy uh, on the Oilers uh, and on Grant Fear here by here by the way on the Paul Pocky podcast GrantFear31.com. Follow him at Twitter at GrantFear for some. Uh, Daily inspirational messages, like like we follow, like we get it. Um, was there a guy on the Oilers that um, gave you more trouble in practice? I mean, obviously the answer, the obvious answer is Gretzky, but was there a guy maybe that gave you more trouble than Wayne in practice? Or, well, I think there's lots of guys that could have. I yeah. mean, you could have any one of seven or eight guys that could have your number on any given day. Yeah, yeah. That was the fun. 
we probably had six or seven of the best players in the game at that time. Yeah, it's just insane, right? Just every day Practice, you face these guys. were harder than the games. Is there an underrated member of those Oilers teams that maybe people don't talk about as much? I mean, they've all got their—they're all in the Hall of Fame. They all got the numbers retired. But was there a guy that uh, was a real glue guy or a real underrated guy all those years? I think Kevin Lonely Fogelin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for a goalie, you love to have a couple of guys like that on defense. Right, right. I mean, they were probably the one pair that was really defensive minded. <laughs> they at least helped you out a little bit. <laughs> um. And Fogey was one of our great leaders. Was he? Yeah. I mean, we were all 18, 19 years old. Uh-huh. So you've got to have a little bit of leadership. And I think Lee did a great job of that. Lee and Ronnie Lowe. Oh, interesting. Ronnie Lowe, huh? Wow. I mean, he, helped, yeah, he helped me immensely my first year. Really, huh? Interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't. The goalie, no, the goalie coaches then. So your partner became your sounding board for things. Mm-hmm. And also, too, like for him to be cool, like you're the hot kid coming in, you know, top 10 draft pick. He knows that you're going to take the job or you're going to be the guy. And for the backup older guy to mentor, help, uh, talk to the guy, you, you know, you really you really appreciate that. You do, and you learn from that. I mean, all the different teams I went to, the different guys I played with, learning from Ronnie that you're there to actually help your partner. Mm-hmm. And your partner, if your partner plays well, it forces you to be better. I learned a lot of that from Ronnie. You're, you're pretty... Uh... You know, laid-back, friendly, nice guy. Did you ever not get along with any of your partners, or did any of your partners not get along with you? No, I was lucky. I yep. got to play with all great partners. Right, right. And on every team. So I was pretty fortunate that way. Yeah, because uh, talking to, again, talking to Razor Ray, you know, Eddie Balfour, obviously incredible goalie, everything else, but, um, you know, always was sensed. He always kind of took the backup guy like, hey, you're trying to take my job, and he wasn't always super friendly, you know? So one of those things. Okay, I see it that way. Yeah, I yeah. See it. yeah. They're there to make you better. Right. Um, obviously, outside of practice of the Oilers, was there a guy in the league that gave you trouble? Is there somebody who had your number? Um, I don't know if there's any one guy. Mm-hmm. But there's teams you struggle against. There's teams, different buildings you play good in, you don't play good in. Oh, okay. What, which... Fortunately for me, most of the buildings <laughs> I played good in were all in our division. So. Yeah, really, right? Um yeah, me as uh, living in Winnipeg. Sometimes the Jets, you know, they seemed like they would play better, and then there was always you who were back there. So it was, we had some good games with the Jets. Yeah, yeah. There was um, the one series. Uh, I think uh, Jets were up three to one. It was looking great. Everything was awesome, and uh, that was it. The Oilers shut the door. You know, well, our team was pretty capable of things like that. It's just mind over matter. Yeah, and I think I think Glenn Sater instilled that in a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, Sather and Muckler, what was the difference between them? You had them both as coaches, uh, and Muckler ran the assistant coach forever, you know, when Sather was on the bench, but what's the differences between them? I think Glenn was the motivator and John was the X and O's guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Glenn was a great motivator for us as kids where he kind of groomed us and guided us as men and players. Mm -hmm. And John took the technical side of the game. Oh, okay. So I think yeah. it was a perfect combination. And Teddy Green was there. There's a guy with a ton of experience playing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, between the three of them, it was a good group for us to learn from. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. So Sather was more just of a kind of motivator guy, knew which buttons to push, who to put out, you know, that this and that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned buildings you didn't play well in. Which which ones gave you 
Like, which one? Uh, Washington. The old Washington building was. Oh hard. yeah, it was. In, hey, it was navy blue seats. It was dark. It was always dark. Yeah. <laughs> that was a hard building to play in. That's interesting that you said that. <laughs> yeah. So one one of those things where you're just like, hey, like you never think Grant Fear would think about Washington Arena Landover, but it did. It gave you trouble. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't have to play in there very often. But it was a building that was hard to play in. Cool. Um, what uh, what kind of mistakes do you see from goalies now? What uh, again? You're a goalie coach for Phoenix. What kind of things do you if you know if someone says, "Hey, Grant, watch this guy," or or you know what what kind of things do you see goalies where you're just kind of drives you crazy that they sh- that they could fix or they should fix? I think a lot of time guys stay on their knees now. I mean, yeah. they're more about blocking the puck than controlling the puck. Mm, and okay. I was I was taught from a young age. You wanted to control the puck. I mean, one, it helps your defenseman out. Two, mm-hmm. you're in control of the game if you control the puck. If you're mm-hmm. just blocking it, leaving it sit there, it's a lot harder on your defenseman. Yeah, it's true. You're right. And all these goalies now, they're just, and again, it goes back to a little bit to the equipment, right? Where they're just trying to block it. <laughs> yeah, style and equipment. And as the game's changed a little bit and they've changed some of the rules, the defenseman can't hook and hold as much as we used to be able to. Mm-hmm. So you make it twice as hard on the defenseman now if you're leaving rebounds lying around. Yeah, no, interesting for sure. Um, yeah, Grant Fear on the uh, Paul Pocky podcast, grantfear 31com uh, Twitter at Grant Fear. Do you play much at all? Do you ever get out? No, I got a knee replaced a couple of years ago, so I haven't put the gear on since. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. But, but up until then, I used to go to Gretz's fantasy camp and play my once a year. Yeah, how was that? You know, it's in. Ve- I live in Vegas, and uh, I, I, I drop hints to my wife, but apparently it was it's ten grand. And apparently she doesn't love me enough, Grant, to pay ten grand. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a pretty good week. We have a good time there. Yeah, it's. It, I think that would be just awesome. Um, you, you know, uh, uh, there's two rinks in town here. I, I don't play much anymore, but I was playing pickup for a while. And uh, I always say, hey, you know, Gransky's fantasy camp coming up. Let's do it. Unfortunately, not nothing yet. But <laughs> it's worth checking out. The guys have a good time, and I think the campers have a pretty good time too. Yeah, really, right? Wayne plays on your line or on your team, right, every time. So can, oh, yeah. you, can you imagine? Every, Wayne plays with every line and every team. So Right. And then if I got a chance, to, got score, if I got a chance to score on Grand Fuhrer, I'd never stop talking about that. I'd never. Yeah, and other guys would come in, too. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Um, all right, Grant Fear, uh, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's been fun to get your time, um, some of your time. I know you're, you're a busy guy. Um, five-time Stanley Cup winner, Hockey Hall of Fame. Actually, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. What was that like? That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's when you're playing, it's not something you ever expect. Mm-hmm. And you, you never really think about it. So to get in, and you look at, there's not very many guys in it. So, no, no. I mean, I think it just kind of is basically the whipped cream on top of all the fun that you've had. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And for you, I mean, obviously it was, an, you know, your modest guy, but it was kind of a no-brainer that you were going to make it. But I still imagine, you know, when you get the call, you're just like, wow. Like, of all the players that have played this game, and I'm this kid from Edmonton, and, and you know, I've made it. Like, again, it was a no-brainer with your stats and your accomplishments and everything else. But, yeah, it's uh, it's got to be cool. It's it's definitely a cool feeling. Uh, biggest biggest regret of your hockey career? Do you have one? Um. Probably that I didn't get to 500 wins. Yeah, <laughs> and I wanted that was kind of the number I set out to start with. Oh, was it really? And huh? I wanted yeah. and I wanted to play a thousand games. Yeah, those were kind of my two big goals when I started. Uh huh. So we're we're a little shy. We 
body got banged up a little too much to make both. Well, you got that 60-game suspension. Thank you, Ziegler. <laughs> that put a little wrinkle in it, too. <laughs> yeah, really, right? I mean, that, that's that's 30 wins probably right there. 40 wins in 60 games. So, oh, well. Um, thanks for your time, Grant. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you again for taking the time for us. Uh, again, people, GrantFear31.com, Twitter, at GrantFear. Book them for some speaking engagements. Uh, book them to come in and uh, answer some questions, hang out with you guys. Uh, um, it's uh, It's been a fun time. And uh, thanks for taking the time, Grant. Oh, my pleasure. Okay. Talk to you. All right. Take care. Bye.